Well, good morning and happy Easter. Now, in the church that I grew up, uh, we didn't just say happy Easter on Easter Sunday morning. We would say Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So why don't we try that now? Maybe it's a bit awkward down the camera lens or strange over the phone, but it's Easter Sunday morning. So Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. It's really good news and it's true news. We'll dig into what it means for us in a second, but I wanted to ask you to begin with, if you cast yourself back to Christmas 2019, imagine talking to your younger self and describing what this year ahead would look like, what this year we've just been through looks like. I mean, imagine telling yourself that New York and London and Tokyo would come to a standstill and be silent that millions of people would die, that we'd be locked indoors for months at a time, that millions of people would be traumatised by what we've been through. I'm not sure we would believe it. I'm not sure I would believe it. It sounds something more like something out of a kind of dystopian, apocalyptic movie, doesn't it, than, than the reality that we've lived through. But it is. It is the reality we've been through. Normal life has, seems to have been flooded out by death the bubble of immortality that we usually live in because of our technology and medicine and all that, it's been burst for many of us. So how have you dealt with that? Has recognising, feeling your own mortality, has that driven you deeper into hope, deeper into the God who, who's beyond this mortal world? Or has it had the opposite effect? Has it made you just want to deny it and escape it and deflect it and distract yourself from it? See, there's a temptation to do that, isn't there? As we're beginning to come out of lockdown, the temptation just to try and go back to normal, to wipe it away with, wipe away the memory with beaches and beer and entertainment and escape, to try and forget it like it's all been a bad dream. Or we could come to the story of the resurrection and look at life through this story, like we're putting on lenses, where we can see that struggle and difficulty is like fertile soil for growth, for new life for things that you could never have imagined before. So how have you dealt with it? How are you dealing with what you've been through? Has it drawn you deeper into God? Or have you just tried to distract yourself away from it? What we should be doing is remembering it, remembering our mortality, remembering those moments where reality broke in. And as we do that, we should remember our God, the God who made himself mortal and chose to die for us and with us and then rose again to swallow up death. You see, this is the story of the resurrection. It's the opposite of the story of this year. It's the story of Jesus's life flooding out death, of death being flooded out by Jesus's unquenchable life. That's the story that we read, isn't it? It's a stunning story. It's the story of these women who go to the tomb and they're not looking for hope. They're searching for a place to grieve to grieve that their hopes have been washed away in suffering again, like they always are in this life. They're looking for a place to grieve. They want to be left alone in despair. And then presumably after a while, they just get on with life as it always has been. But the darkness of their despair gets interrupted by life, doesn't it? Life that's out of control, good, dignity, healing, wholeness that's flooding out of control. Death itself, it seems to be overwhelmed. I like to think of the picture of death with his hood and his big scythe trying to cut down Jesus. But Jesus is just too solid. It just blunts the scythe. It can't cut through him. And so death flings aside his scythe and just yells at Jesus, screams at him to lie back down, to put those grave clothes back on. And Jesus says, no. He stands up, looks death in the face and says, 
let there be life. And life, and light floods out of the tomb. The, the stone rolls away and Jesus emerges, never to die again. Jesus emerges as the king of a new humanity. That's what the resurrection says. That's what the first thing I want to look at is, what is it all about? What does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? So what does the resurrection say to us? And then we'll ask the question, what do we say about the resurrection? So what does the resurrection say? Well, it speaks about an ending and a beginning. It speaks about Jesus's work being finished. Do you remember Jesus said that on the cross? When he died, the moment that he died, he screamed out, it is finished. He wasn't talking about just his life. He wasn't saying, I'm finished. He was saying that his work to deal with our mess, to deal with our darkness, to swallow it all up and get rid of it once and for all. His work to bring us back to God, to connect us home with God, that that work was finished, it was done, that Jesus had paid it all. So all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That's what the resurrection says. It's God saying, it's paid, it's done. No more washing is needed. You don't need to go through another cycle of beating yourself up and trying to bleach yourself with your good works. No, he's done all the washing. The resurrection is God saying it's finished, it's done, it's satisfied. The sentence for sin, which is death, is completed. Jesus emerges from the, from the grave. Everything that Jesus has ever done and said is vindicated, is proved true. It means the reign of sin and death is over. It's an ending. Do you see? The resurrection is the end of that old world and the beginning of a new one. Because Jesus is a real human being. He's raised as a human being. So the resurrection is God putting on display what all the followers of Jesus will one day be forever. It's Jesus as king standing at the head of a whole new nation of people. All of those who trust in him and leading us into new life. That's what it is. So think right now. Our lives are so full of anguish and regrets. Our pain, our depression, our exhaustion, so they just seem to submerge us. Our failures and our fears and our deaths overwhelm us. But if we put ourselves in Jesus, if we bet all of our chips on him, if we throw ourselves all of our weight onto Jesus, if we join his new humanity, then one day we'll be raised from all of that. Just read the next story, the story of the road to Emmaus. Jesus is walking along with two disciples who don't realise it's him. It's a brilliant story. Just ask yourself, what is Jesus like here? I mean, three days after being crucified horribly, he's walking and completely fine and healthy. He's got scars, but they're not open wounds. He's been healed. He's got memories, but he's, he's not got psychological trauma. And he's been healed outside and inside. He's... He's got no bitterness. He's got no self-concern. He's got no desire for revenge. He's brimming full of life and goodness. It's like it's pouring out of him and moving our way, setting hearts on fire. That's what Jesus does. This is a glimpse of the future, a glimpse of the future for all those who follow Jesus. The resurrection shows us what the future will be like for people who trust in him and, and tells us that nobody's too broken, that there's nobody who's too far gone. There's nobody who's too guilty or dirty for Jesus. You know, often when we come across people like that, people who are just high maintenance and need a lot of input, often that can make us shy away from them, can't it? And we know that, so, 
so often we shy away from bringing up our brokenness with other people. We just know how much it costs each other to, to deal with people who are difficult. But Jesus is not like that. He's not like us in that way. When Jesus comes across tough people who have big problems, it lights him up. When Jesus comes across people like you and me, he moves towards us, not away. He doesn't try and avoid eye contact. He looks us in the face and makes sick people well. He makes demonized people calm. He makes guilty people forgiven. That was what Jesus did when he walked this earth. And he does the same today. Jesus looks at us and says, come to me. There's a brilliant story in the Lord of the Rings where Gandalf, the great leader of this group who are on a quest, he dies. He's dragged down to death by this demonic Balrog, like evil, strong creature that he just can't defeat. And it kills him. And then towards the end of the book, he comes back. And Samwise, one of the other characters, sees him and says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. And then I, but then I thought I was dead myself. Gandalf, is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happening to the world? A great shadow has departed, said Gandalf. And then he laughed and the sound was like music or water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he hadn't heard laughter. The pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count it fell upon his ears like the echo of all the joys he'd ever known. You see, the resurrection is the laughter of the life of the risen Christ spreading throughout the world. That's what Ray Ortland says. It's the laughter of Jesus's life spreading through the world. It's Jesus looking at you and saying, when the load is hard to bear, when the fog of fear envelops you, when you stumble on the narrow road, I am here for you. You see, the resurrection doesn't just speak to us in a metaphorical way. The resurrection is Jesus alive, speaking to us. And he says to you today, I am here for you. And because he is alive, he really is here. You can pray and speak to him and ask him to come into your pain and your struggle and ask him to come and cleanse away all your dirtiness and mess. Jesus is alive and so, so we should ask him to come into our lives. This is what the resurrection says to us, that Jesus is king. He's the king who's moved towards us with overflowing life, who says, come to me and I'll give you rest. So what do you say? That's what Jesus says to you. That's what the resurrection says to us. So what do we say? Well, we say often what the disciples said in this story, nonsense. I mean, that's what they say when the women come running back. I hope that we've learned lessons this past year, individually and as a culture, about listening to women. But these men don't listen to these women and they say nonsense. And they're not just, they're not hardcore atheists, are they? They're religious people. They're people who've been close to Jesus, who've heard him say a thousand times that he was going to die and three days later, be raised to life again. But they're so caught up in life as it is at the moment. It's like life is so, I don't know, it's so solid, the way that things are, you know, that people die and then they stay dead. That that's just so real to them. It's nonsense. I wonder if you say something like that today. Maybe you've got all sorts of questions. You kind of like it to be true, but it just seems so out there, so far beyond anything, anything that could be true. Well, I want to encourage you to remember what Luke is writing for. 
Luke is writing to a man who wasn't really sure about Jesus. He didn't have all the answers that he wanted. And Luke wrote to him, wrote this story for him to be sure. He says right at the beginning, I'm writing all these things so that you would know the truth, the reality, the solidness of all that you've been taught about Jesus. Everything he said and did and that he's alive today. That's what Luke wants us to see. So he's written in the specific names of people, not just a Mary, but this particular Mary. He wrote his story at the at the time when eyewitnesses were still alive. This isn't some um, legend that's grown up over centuries. No, this was history. You can look into all the alternatives for uh, alternative options for the empty tomb. I mean, did somebody steal the body? That doesn't make sense. They would have brought it up later on. Or Jesus didn't really die. That's complete nonsense. The Romans were experts at killing people. You could look at all the different options. You could read a book like The Case for Easter by Lee Strobel. The Case for Easter, it's 49p on Kindle at the moment. You could go away and read it. And I hope if you read it with an open, open mind, you'll see that this really is history. That Jesus really did rise from the dead, that the tomb was empty because Jesus is alive. That it's not nonsense. It feels far beyond our imagination, but only because we have the world the wrong way up, because we're so used to death flooding life. It just doesn't seem that it could be true that life would flood out death. But maybe you're a different kind of person. Maybe you say it's nonsense, not because you can't believe it, but because you don't really want to believe it. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel that this is all beneath you. You don't really want a saviour who does it all for you, who just forgives like that. Or maybe you just can't stomach the thought that you would need God to die for you, to save you, that you can't stomach the thought that you're just that bad. It just doesn't, it just doesn't sit right with you. Well, if that's you, if this is beneath you, if you just don't really believe that you're all that bad, well then you're all you have. You just have to reject and turn away from Jesus. And he says that there'll come a day when we stand before him as the king of the universe and give an account for our lives. This is the reality of it, that we'll one day stand before him and if you've turned away and rejected him, then you'll be on your own. You will be all that you have and you'll have chosen for it to be that way. But, but if you're completely fine with the idea of Jesus rescuing you from yourself, if you are done with self-reliance, if you are done with you, if you are finished with trying to be better and just trying harder and just trying one more time, if you are done with trying to do it your own way and you hand yourself over to Jesus, well then he welcomes you with open arms. His death will count for you. His newness, his resurrection life becomes your life. He plants the seed of that new humanity, of that new world in your heart today. Jesus gives himself to you as a gift, a gift of grace just for the pure joy of it. But maybe there's another reaction, and it's the reaction of the women at first. It's fear. In Mark's story of this um, resurrection, the women run away in fear. They don't understand. They don't know what they've seen. They're terrified by it because something completely unexpected and disorientating has happened, and I can relate to that. Maybe you're not sure about this because you're afraid. One writer puts it like this. It's the terrifying prospect of Easter is that God had called these women to return to the same world that crucified Jesus with a very dangerous gift, hope in the power of God, the unending reservoir of forgiveness 
and an abundance of love. You see, it can be a scary thing to give yourself to hope, can't it? Especially if you have known a lot of suffering in your life, especially if you've been abused or betrayed or scarred in some way. If you've been living your life in self-preservation mode, it can be a terrifying thing to open yourself up to hope. It can make you feel very vulnerable. But you can trust Jesus. He will not disappoint you. He will not let you down. It's a scary thing to believe in the resurrection, but, it's, but it will turn your life upside down and inside out in a good way. Jesus will not let you down. It's scary as well because, because we often live distracted, don't we? We don't face up to the big questions of life. We try and deal with things on our own terms. And so it can be, it can be scary to face up to those problems. It can also be scary to fully commit to Jesus, to say that you give yourself to him, knowing that you're not really sure where he's going to lead you. But we can do that in full confidence, knowing that Jesus is not going to let us down, that she is no fool who gives what she cannot keep to gain what she cannot lose. The resurrection calls us to face the reality of life, to put our hands in Jesus's hands and not fear, to not say nonsense, to not turn our backs, to not run away in fear, but to look at Jesus, to welcome that hope and to face the realities of life that there really is a God and that his name is Jesus, that he's the king of everything, to face the fact that I really am a mess and that he's the only one who can forgive me, to face the fact that I'm going to die one day, but Jesus is the only one who's been there and beaten that. To face the fact that God loves you, that he opens his arms to all people, that anybody can get in on this good news. So let me ask you, what do you say? What are you going to do with this story, this reality, this truth of the resurrection? What are you going to do when you finally emerge from the tomb of lockdown? Are you going to just go back to normal and live a distracted life? Or are you going to be somebody who's grown to know Jesus, who's grown stronger in the indestructible hope of the resurrection? Are you going to be somebody who, whatever scars you're carrying now, puts your, your hand into Jesus's nail-scarred hand and lets him walk with you and carry you through into hope? Are you going to walk out of the tomb of lockdown, having come to know Jesus better? I really hope so. If you don't know him at all, maybe you've been listening to stuff online, you've come into church every now and again, and I don't know, you're ready. You haven't before, but you know that you're ready now to put your hand into Jesus's and to walk with him. If that's you, well, I'm going to pray a really simple prayer now. It's not magical words. It's really the kind of prayer that we pray as Christians every day, where we say sorry for what we've done. We, we say thank you to Jesus for his cross, and then we ask him to help us grow to make himself more real to us as we go. So I'm going to pray. And if you'd like to, you can follow along with me and pray together. Lord Jesus, I am sorry um, for what I've been. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you went to the cross to die for me. And Lord Jesus, I want to ask that you would help me to know you more. Help me to know that you're there. Help me to know that you're alive. And Lord, would you give me this hope of resurrection. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer 
um, you need to let somebody know. Let a Christian friend know or um, send us a message. Give the church a ring. Let us know online. Um, Amonfordchurch.com forward slash contact. If you've prayed and that was your first time, um, well, then you need to get in contact. So uh, drop us a line and we'd love to hear from you and help you walk with Jesus and get to know him better. Amen.